Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's Tuesday, March 21st, and welcome to another edition of The Ben Jarofsky Show. On today's show, making his return, telling us all about the city council from ShyGov.com, Dave Gloetz. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, so much more, including columns from Ben Jarofsky and so many other great reader writers. Hey, you want to find more Ben Jarofsky, just head on over to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. There's a lot of cool stuff there. That's J-O-R-A, V is in victory, S-K-Y. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Stacy Said What Tuesday, and here's why. So, ladies and gentlemen, I was all prepared to talk about Jim Francek, the labor negotiator for the city of Chicago, who was apparently fired from his position for comments he made to Franz Spielman on the Franz Spielman show. Uh, but then uh, just before I came on the mic, I saw uh, the fallout over something that Stacy Davis Gates said. I said, oh, my God, open window, throw out window. <laughs> All the prepared remarks, they really aren't prepared that much. I was going to say about Jim Francis, maybe I'll get to him later in the show. And let me just uh, opine on Stacey Davis Gates. You know, you have to opine on everything uh, if you're a podcaster, even if you're just a humble, uh, lowly podcaster speaking to a microphone in his attic overlooking an alley. You have to have an opinion on everything. Tell that to all the podcasters. You can't duck a dodge in a podcast. You have to have an opinion, even if it's a fight among your friends. And in this case, it's a fight among my friends, or at least my show's friends. Uh, so Stacey Davis Gates, dear friend of this show, frequent guest on this show, um, head of the Chicago Teachers Union, if you didn't know, made some comments. I forget it was some interview. I don't know where it was. You know, I should have done a deeper dive on that one. Uh, but she made a comment where she was alluding to the fact that uh, the only union support that Paul Vallis got was trade unions. And she alluded to them. She referred to them as white guys in hard hats. And all hell is broken loose uh, since those comments were uh, released. I uh, urge everybody to check out Rich Miller's uh, column on this. This is what I read right before I came in here. Good job once again by Rich Miller. Just kind of putting everything in context, the whole history of trade unions and uh, the teachers unions, unions that are largely consisting of men as their members, unions largely consisting of women at their as their members, and the differences there are. By and large, the unions with women turn to, uh, tend to be leftier, like uh, the Chicago Teachers Union, uh, SEIU Healthcare, uh, the nurses, yo, nurses, and uh, the unions representing men tend to be a little more conservative, politically speaking. Uh, they believe in union rights, but just in general, they are more conservative. Uh, when I was fired from WCPT, I was supported by many of those trade unions 
uh, with this venture, and I will. Uh, I always appreciate them. So it's like it hurts when I see my friends fighting, and I'm like, guys, can't we all get along? And so I don't know, Stacy. Maybe you shouldn't have called them white guys in hard hats. You know what I'm saying? It kind of like hurt their feelings, uh, and it it, it 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 like introduces element of race, like it wasn't already introduced. But you call attention to this uh, issue of race. So I can understand why they're miffed. And I would much prefer the unions of Chicago and Illinois to be united. I think back to the glory days of the Michael Madigan rule. <laughs> I love saying that. Gets everybody mad. Michael Madigan Penn is an indicted, convicted, not convicted, but indicted, soon to be convicted crook. <laughs> okay, calm down, Chicago. Anyway, the glory days of Michael Madigan's reign uh, when he united all the unions and they stood tall against Bruce Rauner's attempt to destroy collective bargaining rights in Illinois. Oh, my God. I'm just like goosebumps thinking about it. They would never put me on that jury on Madigan because they would say, do you have any uh, thoughts about Madigan? Yeah. Thank you, Madigan, for standing with the unions. Unlike Rom and Cullerton were hiding under a desk. So I wish that the unions could all be united and like a union. Ooh, what a concept as opposed to fighting. So, yeah, I don't know, Stacey. I wish you hadn't said it. On the other hand, on the other hand, come on, union guys. You got to be a little tougher than that. I mean, it was kind of funny. You got to admit, I know when you're not speaking to a reporter and you're uh, just being indignant, you know, upset about it, you might, but probably among yourselves, you're going, eh. That Stacy's got away with words. That's pretty funny. And here's the other thing I don't understand. A lot of the union guys I know, a lot of the just, just I'm, I'm not even going to limit this to union guys. Just a lot of the uh, men I know from Gen X up above, guys who are like, well, I would even say millennials, older millennials, Gen X in their 40s, and, uh, and of course, baby boomers. They're like, they don't believe in political correctness. They don't believe in like snowflakes. You got to take it like a man when it's dished out. <laughs> yeah, you got to take it like a man. And my my thought is, guys, I hate to say it, but your response, your reaction to what Stacey Davis Gates had to say is a little, uh, I don't want to get you upset at me, a little woke. Just saying it's a little woke. I like to point out that the macho man of macho man, that all macho man love and adore, podcaster Joe Rogan. And Joe, anytime you want to bring me in your show, please, I'm here. I'm ready to go. Podcaster Joe Rogan uh, is opening a nightclub. I don't know if you saw this in Texas. Uh, it'll be an anti-woke nightclub. Yes, he's calling it. He's billing it that. An anti-woke nightclub. And comics are encouraged to go on stage and say whatever they want to say, offend anybody who they want to offend. So I'm just wondering, that anti-woke spirit, will they invite Stacey Davis Gates to come to the stage and opine about <laughs> white guys and hard hats? <laughs> Which, gotta, come on, you got to admit, it's kind of a catchy phrase. Just saying. Like the whole anti-woke thing's got to co cut both ways. You can't just go, oh, my God, you have such 
thin skin. Don't be a snowflake. Like when someone makes fun of a, I don't know, transgender person or when someone makes fun of an overweight person or when a man makes fun of women in general. You know what I'm saying? You can't like say, ah, you can't say anything anymore and then cry when Stacey Davis Gates refers to construction worker union members as white guys in hard hats. It's got to cut both ways. So maybe the Joe Rogans of the world should embrace a little more wokeness to be consistent. Or maybe they should invite Stacey Davis Gates to the stage in Austin, Texas. I would get a kick out of that. SDG doing a 15-minute comedy bit. Joe Rogan's nightclub. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. In general, when they say they're anti-woke, they mean they have the right to offend anyone who doesn't look like them. But if you offend them, oh, my God, that's outrageous. All right, let's bring on uh, my distinguished guest. Dave Glowatz has been very patiently sitting by. He's a little disappointed because I know he wanted to hear me go off on a, <laughs> a rant and a rave about Jim Francis. Uh, life, life is long, Ben. Yeah, Dave Glowatz's favorite attorney, Jim Francis, uh, who was uh, bargaining uh, on behalf of the city of Chicago. I might very... have hired him for all my past labor negotiations. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I might have. Might have, yes. Anyway, uh, uh, he has uh, apparently been relieved of his duty. So we'll see if we get to Francic today. If we don't get to him today, there's always tomorrow. And if we don't get him tomorrow, there's always the next day. Because as you know, Dave Glowatz is because I just said it. When you have a podcast, you must opine. So opine away. All right. It's time for Dave Glowatz to do City Council Review, as he does once a month on this show. Very popular segment on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Maybe award-winning. We'll see. Uh, thanks to Dave Glowatz, we've been uh, we're up for an award. Please get us that award. Anyway, some, some obscure journalists in another state are deciding that. <laughs> Guys, uh, would you like a pie? Maybe I'll, uh, any <laughs> baked goods? You we need? don't even know where they are. We don't know who they are. We don't know where they are. But we're open for bribery. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> we are from Chicago. We are from Chicago. All right. Take it away, young Dave. And happy spring, by the way, to Ben and to Chris. Oh, is it spring? Uh, officially, the equinox was about 4 p.m. yesterday, March 20. I did not know that. Yep. So here we are. Happy spring. Uh, by the way, it, uh, Dave, well, it's inside uh, Chicago government. I can't believe I neglected to say that. But you come on the show so often, just our listeners all know who you are uh, and where you're from. But I should have said that. Go ahead, Dave. Thank you. Well, today we're talking about the March meeting. Some called it the Ides of a March meeting of the Chicago City Council, which lasted about three and a half hours. So not as bad as some. This was the penultimate meeting for Mayor Lori Lightfoot. And about, what would you say, a third of the council members are doing their swan song pretty soon? I think that's about right. Mm, sounds right. At almost two hours into the meeting, the chair of the Committee on Budget and Government Operations, Pat Dowell, gave her committee's report. Chris, please, we're going to do talk first. But first, let's go back in time to last year when the state of Texas began busing recent migrants to Chicago and other so-called welcoming cities. The Lightfoot administration and some non-governmental organizations 
worked to accommodate those folks arriving in the winter in Chicago. Amid these efforts, the Lightfoot administration created a controversy by preparing a closed public school, Wadsworth Elementary in Woodlawn in the 20th Ward, to temporarily house the migrants without telling local residents what was going on. Fast forward to March 8th of this year, when the Council's Committee on Budget and Government Operations approved an ordinance, record uh, 02023-1124, to accept $20 million in state aid for something called the Emergency Food and Shelter Program, which would help the city's Department of Family and Support Services, or DFSS, pay for its efforts to shelter and feed the bust migrants. We'll now hear part of the debate that happened after Chairman Dowell presented the ordinance for council passage. And again, this ordinance is just to accept 20 mil from the state to help with these relief efforts. This starts with 20th, 20th Ward Alderman Jeanette Taylor. Let's listen. I've said it time and time again, I wanted us to have a conversation about where these camps were in the community and how that we could help you. And it just seems like we picked places and we decided or we didn't get the decision and the administration dropped the ball with telling folks where these camps would be. And so now that they are closing, we're getting more people in the community. So the one in Maria Hatton's community closed and those migrants were sent to, of course, Wadsworth, which is a closed school. All due respect, there should have been a conversation with us. As a matter of fact, this was a conversation that I asked for back in October and I'm confused at how we're here again trying to pass something without still having a conversation. So I'm asking my coworkers not to vote for this. I made it clear to this administration in October, I had a part of the ward that I felt like could accommodate folks because they're Latinx speaking folks. And part of my ward is Latinx, but I wasn't listening to no act like nobody heard me and it went on deaf ears. And so we're here where we're asking for what, $20 million? No, point of clarification, Alderman Taylor. This is to accept the $20 million allocation that was given to the city by the state. It's a totally separate issue from the issues that you're raising. I still would want us to have a conversation with before we make any more decisions because we should have been consulted for on the front end and we're still not doing this. And it's funny how I asked for it not to be in my community and whoever made the decision for the Kmart, that just seemed it didn't happen. And so we're picking and choosing where we're putting them. And some people are not even having conversation. They're just popping up. And so and while it may not be on you, hold on, Madam Chair, your, your team has dropped the ball, period. And I've heard that from other aldermen. I've heard it time and time over again. And so this is problematic. And it's like we're half doing things. What is the purpose of having a city council? What is the purpose of us being here? Not to be talked to, not to be used. And with all due respect, y'all disrespected this council back in October. These were questions we were asking when DFSS was sitting here and she said nothing. Nobody came to me and said, Alderwoman Taylor, we're gonna change a closed school that already hurt the community, that already put us back and turned it into a migrant camp. And let's not make this about us against the migrants because it's not. We're a sanctuary city, but we should have sanctuary for everybody. And the thought that regular homeless people can't walk up to this shelter and get in is problematic as well. There's a homeless woman that stays on 57th Street in my ward and King Drive at the bus shelter. There's somebody that lives on the Midway. We're not helping those folks, but we're helping everybody else. There is enough money for everybody to be taken care of. And DFSS and this administration needs to come to the table and have that conversation with us. And it just ain't happening. Well, with due respect, most of what you said is not correct. 
but I, this is not the time or place Which to have that. Almost everything that you said is not correct, particularly when you indicated that you did not want Hispanic migrants in the black section of your ward. We did look at the place that you recommended. It was full of asbestos and wasn't appropriate to house anybody. But this is not the time or the place. There Who was communicated debate, that there to was me? A, that I know was communicated to you no. by, by me and by members of our team, but no. this is not the time or place for this discussion. My understanding is there was a full discussion and debate in the budget committee on this. People, you were obviously, as a member of city council, entitled to weigh in on any issue. The chair recognizes Alderwoman Harrison. I discovered a few weeks ago driving down Lakeshore Drive because I saw people milling about, and they were milling about at the old uh, Ramada Inn. So I sent my ward superintendent to find out what was going on because my residents that live over there were calling, wanted to know what was going on in the Ramada. They were hoping the center where there's a restaurant and conference rooms and a bar that the neighbors had used for so long, which closed during COVID and had boarded up windows, was finally going to get some work done to it. My ward superintendent went over there, saw the OEMC truck and asked, are these migrants? The answer was yes. They're here every day. They've been here since last year. No one has talked to me. This is your staff. Ask them, ask Rachel. This administration had conferences with the Latino caucus and nobody had any conversations with anybody else. So when my constituents are calling wanting to know what's going on, I can't tell them. And that budget, when I asked them to provide me a list of the people that who made the decision, they said the department, the department doesn't talk. There are people whose parents have given them names. And I wanna know who is making these decisions, not talking to anybody, and then they say, oh, we're sorry. You're not sorry because you've been doing it for more than six months. And so that's why I oppose this. Alderman Harrison at the end there uh, used an acronym OEMC. That's the Office of Emergency Management Communications. Apparently we're involved somewhat in this migrant resettlement effort. Ben, it seems like Alderman Taylor and the mayor have a fundamentally different view of reality in terms of who's talking to whom. Yes, uh, they do. And uh, do you have another bit on uh, Cliff? I do. Okay, because yeah. there's so much I want to say. I, Just go uh, ahead. I'll I'll, I'll yeah. attenuate you if I feel I mean, we, we could we could wow. extend it to the next one. Uh, so much I want to say. So much I want to say about this. Uh, because it just gets at so many aspects of, of Chicago. Uh, and one, I'll start with the point you, you were raising, uh, the lack of communication between uh, the mayor's office and the alder, alders. And uh, yeah, I, I, when uh, Jeanette Taylor made that declaration and Lori Lightfoot challenged her, and then here comes alderwoman Leslie Harrison to essentially say the same thing, I'm going to believe with the alders. There, is, there was no communication. Not in it was inadequate communication, and just the fact that the mayor like is correcting uh, Jeanette Taylor. Jeanette Taylor was did not completely uh, get it right, exactly what the ordinance was about. Just the fact that the all that the mayor was correcting her strongly suggests that there's no communication between the mayor's office uh, and and the alders on this one. And uh, so I I believe Jeanette Taylor and Leslie Hairston. I believe there was no strong effort by uh, the mayor's office to keep her, the alders, informed on what was going on. Now, the context. The context of this is uh, 
a MAGA governor in Texas, Abbott, putting migrants on buses and sending them to blue states, blue cities, as his way of saying, okay, you Democrats, you don't think there's a problem at the border? We're going to deal with it then. I'm gonna just going to send these, uh, uh, these, these migrants to your city. You deal with it. DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, as we all know from Florida, was so jealous that Gregory Abbott was winning uh, applause from the MAGA crowd that, if you recall, he took some migrants from Texas, brought them to Florida, and then flew them to uh, uh, Martha's Vineyard. Remember that one? It's pretty creative. Yeah, very creative. <laughs> Didn't really have a problem, you know, with the, with the border since Florida doesn't border. Because, it was his own Me Too movement. <laughs> So I'm just like saying this is there's a political context to all this where uh, MAGA is trying to make uh, political hay out of this issue and stoke the fears that people have in this country, bizarre fears of more immigration from south of the border. Remember, capital is free to cross any border at once at any time. But labor, no. <laughs> Quite understand that one. Uh, so that's the context. And because it's a MAGA initiative, it's really hard for uh, Lori Lightfoot or any Democratic mayor to denounce it. That's the political reality of it. And so the migrants must be accepted. Now, I personally welcome the migrants for many different reasons, one of which we're losing population. I mean, uh, how many times have we heard it? Every, every, what was it, like every six months or so, the census does a new count or somebody does a new count and Chicago has lost some people or Illinois has lost some people and the Tribune and the Cranes, they love this Chicago population declined 0.5%. <laughs> so then, okay, we're dealing with people leaving Chicago. Here's people coming to Chicago. I don't know. Makes sense. Doesn't it? Right. Or are you saying these are the wrong kind of people coming to Chicago? I welcome them. On the other hand, Chicago does an intolerable job of dealing with the needs of folks who are here right now. Probably because we don't want them. When I say we, the collective we, don't want them in Chicago. We say this in the show many, many times. The chief planning concerns, the chief plans created by Daly and Rahm Kind of, Lori Lightfoot, I give her a little pass because, you know, it was two years of COVID, so she didn't really initiate many plans. But the chief plans that the best and the brightest minds that this city has have been to move poor people out of Chicago, and they've largely done it through property taxes and the TIF program. So that's that and closing schools and not just not figuring out what the heck to do about crime. So it's successful. They've moved people out of Chicago. And so the people who are still remaining, most of them poor black people in Jeanette Taylor's ward, they're not getting the service that, like, I don't know, humanity requires them to get. And in fact, Alderman Taylor named a couple specific instances of that. Absolutely. As and as did, well, Leslie Harrison did in that clip, but she's done that elsewhere. And so the point of it is this there is a double standard. And people could see that there's a double standard. And if somehow or other homeless black people in Jeanette Taylor's ward 
could be viewed as a pawn in a larger game between MAGA and Democratic mayors, they might get some relief, but they're not seen as pawns in this larger game. Very bizarre game that everyone is playing here. It's foolish to pretend that politics has nothing to do with this. Go ahead, Dave. There's also the issue of where in the city council is the appropriate place to have this conversation. You heard the mayor say, this is not the time or the place, because they were talking about, I mean, that I think she meant that because they were debating whether to accept $20 million from the state just to fund you know, existing efforts, that you know, if you want to have this larger conversation that you were describing, Ben, about this, you know, this sort of double standard, there is a, a whole separate committee called. Uh, it's got the word immigration in it. That's chaired by uh, Alderman Raboyris. That um, if you look at the calendar, it doesn't meet very often. So the, that's that's unspoken in this particular part of the debate. But yeah. you know, this 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 thing went on for about an hour. Okay. So let me do a little more. Chris, please, we'll do House next. Um, it, this part here included a parliamentary move. We love those. That surprised me and a number of aldermen. This piece starts with 15, 15th Ward Alderman Ray Lopez. Let's listen. When we as a body approved your commissioner for Department of Assets, Information and Services, Sandra Blakemore, in November of 2022, I specifically asked, how is your department handling the migrant situation coming here? I said, who is funding this? And I was told by the budget chairman then, this is not the time. This is not the place. That's somebody else handling it. We became the meme where everyone started pointing to everybody else, trying to figure out who's responsible. Fifth floor said it's that one. This office said it's that one. Somebody else said it's that one. All the while, these poor individuals who become political pawns, both in Texas and Chicago, have been bounced around. Local leaders have been lied to. My colleague from the 20th Ward has been lied to, I think, at least three times that I can remember. Older woman down. The reality is that this money is being used to feed people who need food. This money is being used for food and shelter. We have issues that need to be corrected, but we can do that. But we should not take food out of the mouths of people who need it. Alderman Sector Lopez. In the last budget, I think that there's a recognition among many of us that the process and the way for us to allocate funding to make sure that local older persons are included has been deficient, to say the least. I understand and I hear my good friend, Alderwoman Taylor, on her concerns and the demands that she's hearing from her community. Absolutely. At the same time, as Chair Dowell mentioned, the funding is critical to make sure that we address food insecurity. Alderwoman Taylor, you may withdraw your motion. I plan to rescind the roll call vote and DMP this. Well, a roll call had already been called. After the roll call was called, there was a request by Alderwoman Taylor, I think joined by Alderman Lopez, to DMP. to DMP this matter. That will require a vote of the council to rescind the roll call vote. So the first vote that we will take is your request to rescind the roll call vote. Absolutely. So just so we're clear on what everyone's voting on, Alderman Taylor made a request for a roll call vote. Please, Alderman Lopez, don't interrupt me. Let me, ex okay. let me explain. Let me explain to the body. 
Well, stop, sir, sir. That's not true. Pursuant to rule, rule 16 requires that once a motion is made and is to be rescinded, that it must be rescinded with a vote. So you were wrong, sir. <laughs> the yeas are 21, the nays are 25. So the motion to rescind pursuant to rule 16 fails. Alderman Irvin. Yes, we are wel welcoming city. I understand that. But we also have to think about those that are here. We also have to think about those that are also refugees or immigrants that have a darker hue. Because a lot of times those individuals are not considered in the same way that individuals that are coming from Mexico or other areas of a lighter persuasion. I'm not trying to make this an issue of race. Unfortunately, though, it is. Other woman had. It's the same people and the same organizations, largely, that are doing the work to help our constituents. Next week at Tui Park, the Park District will begin enforcing their rules for curfew. Over the last almost 20 months, we've had upwards of 40 homeless people living in that park. Most of those people, they have not been asylum seekers. They haven't been recent arrivals. The resources that it's taken for the DFSS team and our partners to house people extended over a period of time, the health resources, the housing resources, the coordination with streets and sanitation, with the park district, those are people's hours. And they were doing that same work while we were receiving migrants and asylum seekers. So the same people at the Department of Family and Support Services that were helping me to house homeless people living in my park were the same people that I was working with when we had migrants staying at Leon Beach Park. Alderwoman Taylor. Latinx folks who voted in my community voted overwhelmingly for me because I heard them clearly say they felt like they weren't a part of the 20th Ward. So I make sure that there's somebody that speaks Spanish in my office. I make sure that when I send out newsletters, it's translated. I make sure when I have ward night, there's a translator there. So don't make this about black against brown. This is about nobody saying, why did we not have the conversation about what should happen with people we're supposed to be helping? And so at the end of the day, this is not me against y'all. What I'm asking and what should have happened was we should have forged a conversation. We have special meetings for every damn thing else. We should have had a special meeting about this. This was not fair to me nor my community. But to try to make this about black against brown, stop it. Now, this administration has pitted us against each other. Let's say that. Won't nobody say that, though. Because you met with the Latino caucus, but you didn't meet with the Black caucus, but the majority of the camps are where? In the Black community. This is about you all not being respectful to us. And y'all sitting up acting like y'all had a conversation with me. Y'all came to me in October after the fact, after you had already spent $1.5 million in a school that was closed. That my community is saying, what will happen with this school? So don't give me that crap now. Because nobody came to my rescue and said, let's help you figure this out. But now all of a sudden, it's, they ain't eating. Neither are we. Ain't nobody eating around here. We picking and choosing who we take care of. If the mayor thought she was going to go quietly, uh, I guess that's another, she had another thing coming. Um, a couple of things that I want to explain before we talk about this is, um, Alderman Taylor mentioned DNP, which uh, longtime listeners will know, will know is defer and publish. Yeah. So her intention was if um, she could have rescinded the roll call vote, which we'll get to that, 
Um, she and Alderman Lopez uh, were going to call for the vote to be deferred to another meeting, which is what DNP does. But she was prevented from doing that by the mayor pulling out, surprise, Rule 16 of the Rules of Order, which I will now read. <laughs> After the question on a motion or resolution is stated by the presiding officer, it shall be deemed to be in possession of the council. but may be withdrawn at any time before decision by consent of the council. So the, that, that's what the mayor was pulling out. She was saying, well, since this motion's already been submitted for it to be withdrawn, the council has to decide. And the mayor chose to interpret that as we got a vote on it. She could ask for a voice vote, right? You know, because yeah. they do that on a bunch of stuff. But I'll point out, Ben, if you recall from our conversation about the February City Council meeting that Alderman Greg Mitchell was allowed to withdraw his motion for the date of the next meeting without even saying that he withdrew, never mind having a vote on it. So, you know, they're like, uh, the administration is like, yeah, let's see what, let's try this one now. We only got a couple of months left. We haven't used all the rules. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm a just pause to uh ladies and gentlemen can we just give a round of applause to dave goatz this guy sits through these meetings assembles these clips and uh chris dutifully sends them to chris before he used to dutifully send them to dr d and they're just fascinating and i just i i just gotta give you a shout out man you just do <laughs> such a great job of assembling these clips and i sit there and i'm listening to this debate and it crystallizes so many thoughts uh, in my head. And I mean, where do you begin? Uh, I'm just going to begin with the passion of Jeanette Taylor at the end there. And it, I just, they were, I'm a, just a huge fan of Jeanette Taylor, as everybody knows. She speaks with such passion. You, it, she just speaks from her heart. And she's just such an honest human being. And I do not believe the administration in any way reached out to her. And you know what? Forget like a meeting of what was the city council committee that you, the Rebreas committee that you cited, Dave? Yes, that's the appropriate place for the ultimate package to be heard. But Lori Lightfoot should have reached out to Jeanette Taylor and had a meeting with her in office or over the phone, whatever, to say, here's the reality. What are your thoughts? That's how you treat people that you respect. That's how you treat people that you consider your peers. That's how you treat people that you want, that you, you realize you have to solicit their thoughts. Because sometimes their thoughts may help you just on a basic level. But it sure seems to me, based on the responses of people at that council meeting uh, who rose to, uh, uh, to uh, support Jeanette Taylor's accusation that there was no uh, reach outreach from the administration. Think about it. Raylo said it. Uh, who else said it? Hairston. Uh, Hairston. Leslie Hairston said it. Byron Sixel Lopez said it. Uh, and it's clear. It just it's clear that Mayor Lori Lightfoot just has a burning resentment for certain alder people in the Chicago City Council. And she may have just reasons for them. They may be really irritating to her. <laughs> you know, she may think they grandstand at times, whatever. The fact of the matter is they're supposed to be adults 
and they're all supposed to be part of the same team, Team Chicago. And as I said, I'm laughing at myself because how naive is that? The notion that we have a citywide interest that should require us to put aside our petty differences. You have your hand raised, Dave Glowatz, which means you want to say something. Go ahead. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, some of the rhetoric I'm hearing among the two candidates for mayor, Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson, is that their strengths, they each claim a strength of being the, uh, of, of, of planning to be, of pledging to be the kind of mayor that will bring people together, that will collaborate. And I don't know, maybe you remember better than I do back, if we go back four and a half, five years ago, when Lori Lightfoot was campaigning for mayor, did she also say that sort of yeah. thing? Or was, or was that rhetoric yeah. absent from her uh, campaign? No. She, oh my goodness, that's a softball to Ben Jarofsky, if ever there was I honestly one. don't remember. Uh, oh my goodness. Because I was going to say, if she never said it, well then. <laughs> no, she, she um, uh, kind of, ooh, a bunch of people were making fun of me this weekend uh, I, at a comedy club because I was reminding them that I voted for Lori Lightfoot. But yes, uh, when Lori Lightfoot, I remember very clearly when she came to the hideout and uh uh, her infamous appearance at the hideout show with McDunkey and myself, uh, we started talking about whether she would hold a grudge. Uh, and it had to do with the C Chicago Teachers Union, which it was going overboard, in my humble opinion, and supporting uh, Tony Preckwinkle. And Lori Lightfoot said, it's just politics. You know, I can put that aside. Uh, and it's about all it's about. She said exactly what I just got finished saying. It's all about the city. Uh, but I, you know, I'm going to say this about Vallis and Brandon Johnson. Uh, I, I know both men to a certain degree. I, I don't know, uh, Vallis as well as I know Brandon on a personal level, but I, I covered Vallis, uh, and Paul Vallis is very proud of the fact that he has, that he will bring people into his office, uh, and try to win them over first. So my guess is Mayor Vallis would have brought Jeanette Taylor into his office and try to win her over, uh, because he loves when he assembles at a press conference, people that you wouldn't expect to be standing with him, to be standing with him. He, he's very proud of his ability to do that. Problem with Paul Vallis, if you disagree with him and dare to uh, <laughs> vocalize that dissent, he gets really mad, talk about a grudge. So I don't know how long uh, his welcoming Jeanette Taylor to the inner uh, office would last if she were to be critical of him the way she was critical of Lori Lightfoot. That's interesting. Brandon Johnson's just one of those get along guys. He, uh, people really like him. Uh, now, I've again, I don't know what it's like, you know, when you become mayor, Dave, and you're in the city council and you got uh, Raylo criticizing you and teasing you and Anthony Beal deferring. Could happen. <laughs> I don't know if you get along. Well, uh, we can, we long. just cannot predict the future. Here. You can't Sorry. predict the future. Yeah. And uh, Raylo, uh, I just uh, want to give a shout out to Raylo. Raymond Lopez, Alderman of the 15th Ward. Uh, Dave and I were talking about this the other day. Uh, I forget one of the newspapers, I think it was the Sun-Times, said that Anthony Beale stood alone uh, all these years in his, uh, in, on his quest for council independence. And as longtime listeners of the Ben Jarowski Show know, anybody who's listened to Dave Glowat's council reports, you know it was a tag team operation from the get-go. Anthony Beale and Raylo. And sometimes JT, Jeanette Taylor, would join them. 
You know, there was more than one occasion where I think they were going to defer and publish. It was Raylo and Jeanette Taylor. So it wasn't just Anthony Beal alone. <laughs> okay, let's just get that out there. Raylo was right there. And I'm just curious if it's Mayor Brandon Johnson. Uh, no, let me back up. If it's Mayor Paul Vallis, will Raylo and Anthony Beal, who both support Vallis, play the same role uh, that they're playing now? Hmm, we shall see. Potential Finance Committee Chair Raymond Lopez and potential <laughs> Public Safety Committee Chair Anthony Beale. Or is it Budget like, Committee you know, Chair? Parliament, they'd be like, Parliament Procedure, who cares? What's the big deal? <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, I want, I want to point out, having you know been looking at these meetings for a long time, that there is a character who I've mentioned before, Deputy Corporation Counsel, um, uh, Levin, whose first name I'm blanking on at the moment, um, he is uh, the guy who I've called before the mayor whisperer. He was in the same role as uh, he was in when uh, Jeff, I'm sorry, Jeff Levin, uh, in the Emanuel administration. So he stands next to the to the to the rostrum during the council meetings, and when aldermen start doing what they do, uh, he will often walk over to the mayor and lean over and have a conference with her. And that's exactly what happened when, uh, right before mayor pulled out rule 16 on Jeanette Taylor. Uh, so he's got the rule book in his hand and he's like, you know, kind of leafing through. And I just imagine him thinking, hmm, what can we do now, you know? So, uh, so if, he, if, he if he continues in that role in the next administration, we might see more of the same. Well, uh, you know, the true uh, civil servants doesn't matter to them, you know, who the mayor is, what the party is, you know, they do their thing. And I just want to throw this out, Paul Vallis and Brandon Johnson, uh, whoever is victorious, looking for a parliamentary for the city council, Dave Glowatz. He kind of knows his stuff. I bet you Dave Glowatz knew about Rule 16. He so could have whispered. So could I have the same contractual, contractual arrangement as Jim Francic? <laughs> Yes. Uh, Jim Francis, of course, the uh, chief negotiator, labor negotiator for the city of Chicago. Uh, has just got dumped. Yeah, I just got dumped. But uh, that's pretty. Yeah, I'm sure it's a, a very nice deal and you would love it. But uh, okay, thanks. Well, let's move on if we if we could. Uh, Chris, please, we'll do love next. Well, you know, we've just heard a bunch of um, uh, complaining about the mayor's style and practices. Now we're going to go in the opposite end of the spectrum. One of the committees reporting at the March 15 meeting was the Committee on Special Events, Cultural Affairs, and Recreation. The committee chair, 38th Ward Alderman Nick Spazzato, began his report with the homage we'll now hear. Let's listen. Madam President, before I give my report, I would like to say something. I know it's inappropriate, but there's been a lot of inappropriateness today, so I might as well jump in. My inappropriateness is going to be of a different tone, and my inappropriateness is actually thank you, Madam President, for having the faith in me to lead one of your committees. I don't know. I'm guessing this is going to be my last committee report, certainly for the happy committee. I don't know what's going to happen with the new leadership, if they're going to want me to be a chairman, if they're not going to want me, if I'm going to have the happy committee again, I don't know. But I want to thank you and the rest of the city council for having the faith in me. It was a joy and a pleasure to serve the city and my committee was especially, 
I say the best committee of all the committees. They were very punctual. I would guess our attendance rate was higher than any other committee. So I personally want to thank everyone that was on the committee for your input. Although, although everything was pretty easy, we only had one or two contentious things in four years, but I really, really appreciate you for having the faith in me and the council and moving forward, everybody. I know some people said some really good stuff today. Alderman Bora said one of the best things when he said everybody was right and everybody was right on, on a certain thing. But people, we need to start thinking about praising in public and scolding in private. This mayor and me, our politics don't align. Right, mayor? They don't align. You don't have to answer that. I know they don't align. But you know what? I always felt I respected you. I always felt you respected me. You might have MF'd me in private sometimes. Sorry, let the cat out of the bed. And I said the same to you. And that's the way things should be. Praise in public, scold in private, people, okay? Let's try to take that up. Let's work with the new mayor. Let's do the best we can. But this grandstanding and calling people out, and I guess maybe I'm doing the same thing right now, and it's unintended of calling people out. But I certainly know some people were calling me out when they said some stuff. But whatever, I'm a big boy, I can handle it. But I just want to once again, thank you so much. Thank the city council for having the faith in me and the honor and the privilege of serving you. And no, Ben, in case you're asking, there wasn't a standing ovation after that. No, I mean, <laughs> I, the reason I was laughing is because just listening to Spazzato talk, it just, every time I, I just flash back to Patrick J. Whalen, a frequent guest on the show, comedian, and uh, he, um, he does a great Nick Spazzato imitation. So when I hear <laughs> the actual thing, I'm like, oh my God, Pat, you are so good at that imitation. He is so imitatable. Uh, listen, everybody knows I got a special love for Nick Spazzato. We learned though, about his special love. This, this yes. So I'm, I'm, I, I could have, I would have applauded him for that. For that. And look, I'm just sounding like him. Just, oh my God, it's. it's uh, and he acknowledged uh, quite openly, you know, the open secret that, you know, the mayor chose him for yes, committee chair as opposed absolutely. to his council members, according to the rules. That is correct. So we all know how uh, city council chairs are selected, and we'll probably get into that in a little while. Uh, and um, but Nick, you're selling yourself short. You've endorsed Paul Vallis uh, in the runoff. If Paul Vallis were to prevail, I guarantee you, Nick. Well, I can't guarantee it, but I'll. I'm. You would bet. I, I will bet. I'll go to Vegas and place the odds. You will get a chair. Well, the happy you committee will probably. definitely get a chair. I don't know if it'll be the happy committee, which is what he calls this committee. I love, it always makes me laugh. The happy committee. Like, there's no controversies in the happy committee. <laughs> Everything is happy. Uh, and um, but Nick, I guarantee Nick is such a bridge builder. Yeah, Nick is okay. So Nick, look, I know the thing about. Uh, is hilarious because in the middle of his remarks, he realized he was doing the very thing he was criticizing the other people of doing, which was kind of funny. And I at least give him credit. He realized it in the middle of what he was saying. Self-awareness. Yeah. So <laughs> Nick's one of the most right-wing guys in the city of Chicago. He's maggot at the core. And he'll say some things sometimes. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? Uh, and so particularly on issues of like gay rights. So I think that's, I don't know, I'm just guessing the MFing uh, that he was alluding to with Lori Lightfoot may have been on that. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not privy to their conversations. Uh, Greg Pratt, please go FOIA the tweets between, uh, excuse me, the text messages between Spazzato and Lori Lightfoot. And Those will be leaked sometime in May. Yeah. <laughs> 
Pratt will be on it uh, shortly. Um, so, you know, it's just I had a smile because he violated his uh, his own recommendation in the middle of making the recommendation. I can guarantee you if Paul Vallis is the mayor, uh, he will make Nick Spazzato, um a chair. And I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Johnson did the same. Follow me on this, young Dave, because I know that the rule is you reward your friends, okay? But I don't think there's 26 members in the Chicago. How many communities are there? I for, lost. I forgot. I thought well, it was. Well, there's a movement afoot to expand the number of committees, which a uh, proposal for I have here to okay. I believe 28. 28. And there's currently how many? 26, I believe. 26. I was right. Okay. I don't believe there's 26 aldermen in the Chicago City Council who've endorsed Brandon Johnson. So if Brandon Johnson were to be victorious, uh, he will reach out to some aldermen to didn't endorse him. And I think the most logical guy to reach out to is the chair of the happy committee, Nick Spazzato, because he'll he's been a pretty loyal mayoral vote. Ever since he's been in the city council, I'm trying well, to think. Johnson campaign uh, campaign um, staffers are taking notes right now. <laughs> so uh, free advice from Ben Jarowski. Free advice, which you're free to ignore, which I know you will. Well, Ben, that's you all I've got. Listeners, Ben and I had a longer discussion on a couple other parts of the council meeting not covered here. If you'd like to hear those, please go to the extended version of this interview found at the Inside Chicago Government website. That's shygov.com, C-H-I-G-O-V. On that site, go to the Chicago menu and choose City Council. Ben, thanks to you, and thanks to Chris for the tech. Yes, uh, excellent job as always, uh, Dave Goetz. And also want to thank producer Chris for an outstanding job. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. Don't forget, you can catch previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com. And find more content from The Ben Jarofsky Show all over the internet on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms. find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator